Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Do you want to learn how to remote view? Now is your chance. The International Remote Viewing Association is offering eight weeks of remote viewing classes instructed by my friend, Michelle Freed. Don't miss this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity starting Saturday, September 3rd, 10 a.m. Pacific. The course is only $150, and for members of the IRVA, it's only $110. Just visit irva.org slash events slash registration to sign up now. If you're listening to this on any audio podcast platform, I highly suggest viewing the episode from a video platform. It's available on Rockfin, Odyssey, and YouTube. Welcome back to Forbidden Knowledge News. I'm your host, Chris Matthew. Tonight, my guest is Nick Hayes. Before I bring him on, I have to thank C60 Purple Power. This may be the most powerful antioxidant known to man. Acts as a free radical sponge, eliminating toxins in the body. After I started taking C60 within about a month, I started feeling better. And now I feel amazing. I feel better than I've felt in years. So many benefits, more energy, unexpected weight loss. Um, I sleep better. There's so many benefits that you should check out for yourself. Uh, Go to their website to check out more, or you can just click the link in the description or visit c60purplepower.com. If you click the link, you're going to get 10% 10% off your order plus free shipping. If for some reason that link doesn't work, you can use coupon code KNOWLEDGE10 uh, and you will get the same discount. So be sure to check that out. Also, please subscribe to Forbidden Knowledge News on LBRY.tv. It's our official backup channel. Uh, we also are always on all popular podcast platforms. Please check out our new show exclusively on Rockfin called Beyond Classified. You hear me talking about that all the time. Amazing new platform for free-thinking content creators. And finally, get your tickets right now to Forbidden Knowledge NewsCon 2021. It's going to be this April 2nd, 3rd, and 4th coming up next month. We're going to have 12 extraordinary presenters. Uh, Visit our website, Forbidden Knowledge News. Check out the lineup and everything that they're going to be talking about and get your tickets right now. It's only $29.99 for the full three-day conference. You do not want to miss that. <clears throat> Today, I want to welcome to the show Nick Hayes. He is a UK-based author and photographer who has spent the last 10 years photographing and filming the infrared and ultraviolet parts of the electromagnetic spectrum. 
documenting the strange invisible life forms, craft-like objects, and other phenomenon that appear to be existing just beyond the range of normal human sight. In September 2016, his first book, Quest for the Invisibles, was published by the Book Tree in San Diego and was soon followed by the launch of, of the Quest for the Invisibles website, which was set up as a platform to present new photographic evidence and information on photographing invisible phenomenon. He continues on with his photographic work as well as doing occasional shows and talks at UFO and paranormal conferences. Nick, welcome. How are you doing today? Very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. Yes, thanks for coming on. This is going to be a fascinating discussion. Um, you know, I know the human eye only sees about 2.5% of the electromagnetic spectrum, and there could be life everywhere just beyond the spectrum of our vision. And your book, The Quest for the Invisibles, takes a look at what may what we may be getting a glimpse of in the sky when we're seeing a UFO or any something you know anomalous or lights or some kind of plasma event. Um, and you even have some pictures that we're going to share a little later. First, I'd like to start off with what got you interested in this and looking at the, this phenomenon? Well, I've always, had a, uh, I've always been into the UFO phenomenon, even when, and, you know, a kid when I was a lot, lot younger watching television and all the sci-fi movies. But um, I was just taking my dog for a walk one night. It was a really foggy, misty night, freezing cold. And my little dog, he was only about six months old at the time, Elfie, and uh, he wanted to go back down an alleyway we'd just gone down. And um, I was so cold, I nearly said, no, let's go. But I took him down. And while he was sniffing around, I just happened to be looking up at the sky. And I saw a pinky orange glow coming about 200 foot off the ground and about 200 foot away, slowly, slowly, slowly. And it kept disappearing and then slowly coming back because it's, the mist was so thick. And it got nearer and nearer and nearer. And uh, I was like, what the hell is that? You know, it was totally silent. And what happened was, just as about as it passed over the top of me, um, there's a thinner band of mist, and I saw it in its entirety. And it had a dome, like a domed top and a domed, bottom, domed sort of bottom, and it was pulsating. It was moving about sort of walking pace. And uh, it just about went over the top of me, but it seemed to be breathing, and it seemed as if it was alive. And I couldn't understand it. At first I thought it was a craft, but the more I looked at it, it reminded me of one of those bioluminescent life forms that you get you know, in the deep, dark ocean. And it just puzzled me. Um, and it was later on that I discovered the work of Trevor James Constable and the bioforms he captured in the infrared. So I thought, well, to me, that was an explanation of what I'd seen because I was convinced that it was a creature rather than a, you know, a craft of intelligent design. Um, and up until I'd read the books by Trevor James Constable, I'd not even conceived of the idea that UFOs could be anything other than interplanetary spacecraft. So it disturbed me greatly. Um, and I thought, well, I've got to go out and film more of these things. And I thought, well, how am I going to do it? And I began reading Trevor's book and um, some of the attraction methods he used and bit by bit my family helped me to buy my first infrared camera and then I moved on to ultraviolet and video recorder and it's just sort of gone on from there but you know I spent what's well, nearly 10 years now I mean sometimes I'd be filming multiple cameras camcorders seven seven days seven hours a day sometimes five six seven days a week and some of these things were just on like one you know they hardly appear on time filming sometimes at 150, you know, 50 frames per second and 25, 25 frames per second. And these things are appearing on just one frame. And I use a Geiger counter as well as a detection device. But there's many different types of um, UFO photography I do and other, you know, more paranormal type photography, um, daytime and nighttime. Um, and we'll see later when we see the selection of photographs. And uh, I can go through some of the techniques I use for, um, for taking them. 
Yeah, but that's what really got me into it. So that, that's what it just I became obsessed with it. Um, because it just it's a life changing event when you see something um, that close and and it almost almost looked familiar. It was very strange. It, it disturbed me. You know, when I close my eyes, even even now, I think of it. It's, I wouldn't say it's under shudder down me, but it was. It's a very, very, very strange thing. And up until that point, I'd heard people, you know, witness UFOs, and I had no reason to disbelieve them because I believed it was true, you know. But seeing it myself, it just changed my life. And my life stopped. And I became obsessed with um, Quest for the Invisibles, really, just to try and prove Trevor was right over and over and over again because of the lack of... There's a lot of things about Trevor on the, on the internet, but his work has never been taken that seriously by the scientific community or even the UFO community at a certain point. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, Trevor then. For those that, you know, aren't familiar with his work, could you tell us a little bit about more about, you know, what he was doing in his research? Yeah, well, Trevor, Trevor James Constable, um, he was a military historian, written several books um, on fight races. And he went into the desert, um, Mojave Desert, um, in 1957, using a standard camera loaded with um, infrared sensitive film. And he was able to photograph um, amoeba-like biforms existing in the infrared. And he carried on with his work for many, many years and photographed a whole range sort of ovoid bioforms and um, some of them looking very amoeboid bioforms with things that look like vacuoles. And, you know, he became more and more convinced that a lot of the UFOs were actually uh, these plasmatic beings, um, especially a lot of them um, were cigar-shaped, a lot of them were sort of saucer-shaped. Um, so he, he released his first book in 1958, which was They Live in the Sky. And that covered sort of a lot of his work in the desert. But the, the book he's probably known more for is Cosmic Course of Life, um, which was released about 1978, I believe. And then I, I managed to get the, the re-released version in 2008. Um, so he basically um, pioneered that type of UFO photography. And uh, he originally used to use the star exercises and traction technique, um, and later ended up using the, the Cloudbuster, and then finally gave the UFO thing up sort of in the mid-70s and went on to weather modification. Um, some more studies with um, etheric energy. And he um, called some of these life forms um, argonautic bioforms, is that right? Critter, yeah, he mainly called them critters. But, but yeah, yeah, it's speculation they were, you know, organotic in a and sense. What um, is what is organotic? Can you explain exactly what that is? The organ energy, like the purpose to manipulate organ energy, which is sort of life energy, which is everywhere, which bounces off things. And when you put steel tubes grounded in running water, it tends to create a, a drawing effect and it can unstick the clouds. It, it manipulates the organ energy potential in the atmosphere. And these creatures sort of come to it. And it, it's, it's just that I use a Geiger counter to detect these things. And it's almost like a, when these things appear, you get a really high Geiger counter reading. It's like some kind of unknown radiation. And it's whether or not they're made of organ or they're actually giving off a high organ charge, like an excited organ charge, it's actually life energy. But it's almost like I believe they may be manifesting in that rather than a carbon-based existence. They're manifesting in like heat substance, a plasmoidal form. Now, have um, you experienced any um, intelligence or observed any intelligence coming from these life forms, like uh, any interactions or anything like that? Yes, in the last couple of years, there's some pictures that I've taken of some really massive life forms that are colored blue, um, big triangular-looking things they are. Um, I sent them in the photographs to you earlier. Now, that blue should not appear there, and blue is the colour of organ. Now, that was taken with a... Um, but these things, I sense they were there. I got a taste in my mouth, a metallic taste. I got Geiger counter hits. But I was sitting in my room, and I got the feeling I was being watched. And I went straight outside and got my camera, set it up on the tripod, and just took lots and lots of really long infrared exposures, anything up to 30 seconds at a time. 
and I knew they were there. I couldn't sort of perceive them, but I knew they were there. Um, and I took, I photographed the same thing. I took a series of 20 second exposures and a series of 10 second exposures. And I, I caught this same object and it had grown in size and all the markers on it were there. Um, I've had a lot of instances like that where I suddenly, a lot of it's like by intuition. I suddenly feel I'm being watched or I feel something's there. So I'll just take scores of photographs and at night it's generally by Geiger counter. Um, I set the Geiger counter far beyond, well, not far beyond, but you know, it measures in microservice per hour. And the normal reading here is sort of like um, um, point, point 0.7 microservice per hour up to 0.12. And I set mine for 0.20 and it should never go that high. But these are really high bursts that go even beyond that. And uh, so I carry the Geiger counter and whichever direction I'm aiming the Geiger counter, I take photographs in that, in that direction. Um, if I'm taking long exposures, I'll set it up on a, on a tripod. Or, or I'll film it something like 180 to 160 per second and have it pressed hard to my chest. I'm filming in total darkness, unless I get multiple repeats and I know something's near to me, uh, like a series of entities that I managed to film, I use the flash, the normal standard flash. And we see infrared camera and you see the small part of the red that appears before the red of the visible spectrum because it's, you know, it's an infrared filter, locks everything else up to red. So the blue color of these objects shouldn't even appear on there. And you can see that the white that's been picked up from long exposure from street lamps in the distance, that's white. So it's just how it should be, black and white photo, but these things are appearing blue. They've obviously put themselves, managed to ingrain themselves somehow on, onto the, you know, it's, onto the camera. It's, it's very strange, but I really sensed they were talking to me. They were telling me they were there, and I filmed a whole series of things going on for about four nights, same time every night I was out there. I filmed a portal opening, and every photograph had a different color. I saw a whole spectrum of color, which is something Trevor James Constable talked about, the reverse spectrum um, of color, which appears sort of in the infrared. Um, I, I've got this portal opening and sort of like closing, changing colours. I, I filmed, filmed, I think there's another biofilm, a huge one with another one. Boy, I think I sent that as a photograph. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm about to start to pull up uh, each of these photos, and as we go through them, you can kind of tell us what they are. Um, mm. Now, as you kind of photograph through different spectrums, are you getting different types of entities in different spectrums, like you know, versus? Uh, our the spectrum we can see in versus like an ultraviolet spectrum. Yeah, well, I film it's a different method. When I use the ultraviolet, I use the, the sun obliteration technique, and I film directly at the rooftop and use the top of the roof to <clears throat> block the sunlight out and um, through the view of the camcorder. And this creates an area which I refer to as the illumination zone. There's anything passing through it or just above it is illuminated for a fraction of a second, and um, these things come like flying by real quick and. They're not just, they, they may look like directly above the roof, but they're a lot higher, but I'm basically filming 45 degrees. It's a totally different way of filming, but I've caught a lot more fish-like forms and things in the ultraviolet. Um, it's, it varies really. I film in the daytime in the ultraviolet, but in the, sorry, in the infrared, but a lot of stuff seems to be sort of quite high in the sky. Now, uh, can you see my screen here? Oh, that's it, yeah, yeah. Well, this was my infrared Canon G10. Um, I, what happened was I filmed it, I started off in the infrared, managed to capture a lot of things high in the sky and uh, wasn't that impressed. So I began using um, filming in the ultraviolet. This went on for nearly three or four years. And then immediately after that, um, around the time my cat died, I decided to go out for two years every single night. I'd be carrying a guide counter in one hand when I walked the dogs and the camera in the other. And I filmed and I, you know, I took photograph after photograph after photograph. And this was a Geiger counter hit that I got while I was going out the gate. And again, I, I felt something there. You kind of know. So I just took multiple photographs and this is something that appears. Um, and the reason it's red is because it's um, the automatic setting and that tends to lean towards the red of the visible spectrum. 
Um, but I normally set it to green grass in daytime situations and the colour green, and that gives you that sort of like white colour that you, you see in daytime in the infrared. But this has got a slight red glow to it because it's um, sort of leaning towards the red. But this is typical of the plasmoidal-like um, objects that I've captured and, you know, and also captured by people like the GRCU, the Italian research group, which um, I wrote a paper a while ago, I co-wrote a paper, should I say, um, in defence of Constable's work, um, positive findings on Constable's organotic biforms with my friend, um, organomist uh, Neon Southgate. And uh, we mentioned the GRCU in there. So if people are, haven't heard of them, some of their best footage in that paper. Um, but they caught a lot of things like this, plasmoidal-like things that were there in one, you know, they're there for one second and they're gone. Um, that's just one good example. Um, yeah, let me uh, pull up the next one here. I'm going to just share my yeah. whole screen here. Let's see. I'll use a flash if I think they're near enough. Sometimes these things aren't visible in the infrared unless they're slightly lit up by light. Okay, can you see the second one here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another example. Yeah, that was taken around the side of the house. Um, I was walking down alongside the house, started getting a feeling of something above the house. So I took loads and loads of different photographs. Um, I used a flash in this case to try and light it up because, as I say, some of these things don't appear in the infrared um, unless they're lit up. Um, either by infrared light or, you know, or light from the camera. And it's, it seems just enough to light them up in the infrared sometimes. The infrared camera doesn't see the full flash, the full, you know, full colours that make up white light. It only sees a small part. It's and if you're, if you're just looking in the sky, you don't see this at all, right? I don't see anything at all. No, no. I just get the sense. I just get the sense um, at night time. Now, this is, um, this is a very high Geiger counter reading. This is a series of, um, I think, two or three photographs I took. I've got a massive Geiger counter reading just as I was sort of going through the gate. And we've got some tall trees sort of at the edge of my garden and what I call my research area, which is a field next to it. So I suddenly just aimed the camera up there and I took three photos, one after another, um, at one eighth of a second, no flash, pitch dark. Um, this was the middle photo. Um, very interesting. A lot of strange things on this. Um, there's like, it looks like loose wire at one end. It's very strange. There's lots of unlit sections and there's something else at the top. Um, I've right. got a massive, I've got like a point, I think it anyway, up to 0.5 on the Geiger counter, which is very, very high just for an instant, but um, it kept happening. So I think it was going round and round. But it looks Do you believe these the, are some sort of plasma entities? No, this is part of some massive craft. This picture actually ah. continues on. Um, to the left, it carries on. There's another bar that goes along there and comes off at a different angle. And there's another thing at the top. This seems to be part of a structured light thing. These, are, these aren't a continuation of lights. If you put these over each other, if you trace them, you'll find they're not the same shape. And you can see several of the sections. This is still something very strange. Um, and I've got a massive bug counter here. So I took the first photograph and this appeared in the second. So they don't always appear straight away. The bug counter warns you that they're on the way. And they travel quite fast, a lot of them. So, you know, you take a, a whole series of photographs, like, you know, constantly. And this is another Geiger counter one. Um, when I was walking my dogs, um, I took it's about six or seven of these that make up the picture, but it's such a wide photograph and the others are quite dim. So I've only shown the four. Um, and I think there's another photograph of these in more detail um, next to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same four entity. That's it. Yeah. Um, you can see how different they are, but these were sort of like a, about six or seven of them really high in the sky, but I still got quite a high Geiger counter reading. So I just took lots of photographs in pitch darkness, no flash straight into the sky above me. And um, this was on about, I think the fourth photograph or something they appeared. Um, and, you know, one eighth of a second, you can see the trail within that one eighth of a second movement of that. So, um, Right. Now, um, are, are you, when you're filming these, can you see these moving? So, not very often, no. I do see things in the visible spectrum. 
and sometimes they disappear. Um, but I didn't see any of those. No, I was very surprised that I even caught anything. These are just examples um, taken. I've got another camera, an X, an X5N camera. Um, and I was, again, I carried on going out every night. I think this was 2018 I was taking, yeah. But these are just examples of some of the strange shapes that I've caught um, in the sky, you know, just from Geiger counter hits, you know. I'm going to set it to oh, buzz, cool. so, you know, don't alert people too much if I'm walking down the street. But Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, it's a quick buzz, so it's just like sort of you know. <laughs> so most of the time I catch nothing. Now, this is a strange one. This is taken down some... Um, some garages at the rear of where I live and it was taken in pitch darkness again no flash and it's so it was he's taking using a tripod and it's a one second exposure and there's no light source in this again and you can see the mist dripping off the it's like an invisible luminous mist moving through the forest sort of area and you can see it dripping off the off the leaves but you know all I saw was pitch darkness I saw nothing and I'm sure you're well familiar with, you know, normal camera anomalies and artifacts that would cause strange things. And you would know the difference between that and something, you know, unexplainable, right? Oh, gosh, yeah. yeah. Plus, I get a Geiger counter hit. I, I only take photos on Geiger counter hits. I took a load more photos and nothing was there. It's pitch dark. Um, there's some kind of an energy that's um, being captured. This is another example um, taken on the infrared G10. Of, um, this was taken from a, from a photograph. And there's probably about 30 of these. They're, they're coming out of the ground. I suddenly got a massive hit, no matter which direction I turned in. The guy counter was going haywire. So I basically put the, had the flash on, and I just turned around and went chish, 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 all the way around. And I caught a whole load of these, um, three or four of them going straight up into the sky, and these are the nearest ones to me. Um, it's the same one, the white one. I just did it in white so people could see it a bit clearer. But um, again, this, this was taken sort of um, just on a tripod in the garden, um, when I got, just as I was going out the gate, I got massive hits and stuff. Because I take the tripod out when I walk sometimes, I set it up somewhere quiet and sit there and pitch dark with a Geiger counter. And then as soon as I get a hit, I just take photographs. I mean, I can't see anything. Um, so do you think a lot of the things that are in the sky that people are mistaken for nuts and bolts craft are these sort of entities, these, these life forms? I'm not saying all of them because that that ring of that load of lights that you just showed that that's part of a structured craft it's obviously invisible and it's big it was taken above 100 foot trees now the actual photograph it, it's quite big it takes up a third of the actual proper photo now this is the one i was talking about this is an amoeba light form now this is similar to the things trevor caught trevor james console caught there's a lot of markings on this and things but i took this photograph this is a 20 second exposure um but the, the photos previous to this showed nothing at all and this was there just standing there and the next photograph um was taken straight after this and it was i think it was a, a 10 second exposure and it's exactly the same thing the all the markings line up but they're all extended and this seems to come further into the frame um but i've captured a lot of strange things like this and um I, there's no light source in this it was taken in total darkness and it was very very faint in the photograph i could see it on the camera but when i put it on the screen because when you take long exposures you've got to turn down the the camera's automatic exposure compensation. Otherwise, any light that comes from anything, the infrared light, will overexpose. So you, you then put it on the computer and you turn it up slightly to get the colour to come back out. But this is it. I caught these two, and then the rest of the photographs have nothing on it for a bit. Yeah, you so, mentioned but, how like they have these amoeba-like life forms under the ocean. That's what this reminds hmm. me of, except they're just kind of floating around in the sky. And that's that's amazing. And we just can't see them. They're they're beyond the spectrum of our vision. I think they do they can't I do think they can be seen sometimes i think because yeah you know, electromagnetic power being put out now this is one of my favorites this was a, from a i took a whole series this was a 30 second exposure it was taken in total darkness okay 
I couldn't even see the light light. See, you see the white color of the leaves of the trees. Yes. Now that's yeah. what the that's what the photo should look like, black and white, because it's the the white balance is is made using green grass. So that gives you like um, any natural light that comes in or any infrared light appears white. So that's what the light should look like. But these are blue. Um, and this, this is like I say, this is a 30 second exposure. And the picture I took before was a 20 second exposure. And as you can still see this object, but it's very faint and it's in a slightly different position. The two um, a bit further apart. So I took a whole series of these. Um, and, you know, and I, I felt something. I really felt something. This was taken about 30 foot. The top of that tree is about 35 foot tall. And that was taken straight up at an angle of about 70, 80 degrees. Um, what do you no think it is on. that enables these entities to be seen whenever we can see them without cameras or, you know, any other equipment? I would say like um, the amount of um, electromagnetic energy that's being pumped into the skies. Perhaps. Yeah, this is, yeah, well, my cat, I took on a cat. Um, it was a bit of a wild cat. I took him on, um, left him to bits. His name was Roy and uh, Roy died and upset me a hell of a lot. So, Went out to his gravesite every night, set the tripod up, and I just took loads and loads of 15, 20, 30 second exposures. I took about a thousand over a couple of months and hardly anything came out, but these came out just by the, the gravesite and no flash, total darkness. I saw nothing at all. And this is a light trail, I think, shooting up, and it even looks like an entity in there. It's a strange looking photo. If you sort of, obviously, you can't enlarge it on there. Um, you find a lot of these associated with paranormal activity? Sorry, say again. Do you find a lot of these, um, you know, these images and entities that you catch associated with somewhere that experiences paranormal uh, activity? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's strange because I've never filmed, I found a whole series of entities in my greenhouse window. Every time I walked with my dog past the greenhouse window, I got a hit on the Geiger counter and I got this massive feeling of dread. I felt sick. So basically, in pitch darkness, I just basically took a photograph and then the flash lit up the greenhouse. I saw nothing, but in the window, there was an entity. The first one looked like a ghostly sort of entity in a uniform holding a, a lantern. Second one looked like an ET, I think it was. Third one looked wow. like some black, dark thing with horns, it almost looked like. And the fourth one was this weird thing. Now, this was taken at Roy's, Roy's grave again. This was taken in total darkness, 15-second exposure, one of a whole load. There's no lights in this at all. But Roy's grave site is that bit that's lit up at the bottom. All this light is a 15-second exposure. So you've got this coming out, the snake light thing, and then all the other things that are happening within that 15-second exposure. And now the photo straight before it showed nothing at all, pitch black, pitch black. There's nothing in there, taking total, total darkness, no flash. Um, so it's invisible infrared light. But you can see the, the entity, you know, you can see, you know, the snake-like entity. It's got, like, a snout and the eyes and things, and... You know, I said, show me a sign you're here, Roy, you know, because I was quite upset and took so many photographs and nothing appeared. Then this came out. And uh, the funny thing is it came out at the time I had a lump in my throat. It was really weird. Um, I don't yeah, know whether that, that made it happen or something, the emotion, I don't know. But I had a lot of paranormal stuff going on in my house um, after this time. Real full-on stuff like steps, you know, people walking around in the room, things being moved and things happening, Geiger counter going off every five minutes, switching itself on when I knew I switched it off and a whole load of things that really freaked me out. So I, I stopped sort of filming at ground level, <laughs> going back to filming in the sky again because, because you know, my house yeah, boarded on my sisters and it was affecting her and the dogs wouldn't go into my place. They, they, would, they were on the floor growling and looking at something, walking around like that and I was really started freaking out, you know what I mean? So <laughs> um, this is my cloud buster. This is just the, the first one I built. Um, 
I think I put a picture of Trevor's Cloudbuster, which is based on um, the Cloudbuster of Dr. Reich, which he used for weather modification for bringing rain and, you know, moving weather fronts. And Now, could you tell us a little bit about the Cloudbuster and how, how yeah, this Yeah, the Cloudbuster, as you see that, it's a load of steel pipes. And basically, the theory is that, um, you know, the organ energy is everywhere. And it jumps off things, and especially pipes and stuff. It, when it's grounded in water, it, what it seems to do, wherever you aim those pipes, if you aim them correctly at a plant, uh, cloud it seems to unstick the cloud and it pulls the organ energy back in through the pipes it, they draw pipes basically um i mean i don't i don't do weather engineering i'm not you know don't get me wrong i'm not into weather engineering i, I use them as a traction method because they create a charge of um organ energy in the local area it seems to charge up the organ energy potential in the sky and that that draws these creatures and um, sometimes the craft like objects to it so um, you know, I'm not an expert on weather modification. I mean, I know how it works and stuff, and I, you know, I don't abuse them or anything. But um, you know, I, I've been using them as an attraction technique, really. Apart from at night when I use the Geiger counter, um, I don't tend to film in the daytime now using Cloudbuster. Now I tend to spend more time at night um, filming using the Geiger counter because it's a lot easier. Now this thing will actually dissipate clouds. It's it will if aimed accurately. Yeah, it will. Yeah, it will. You aim it, and I've done it. You know. Um, it will that's get rid crazy. of clouds if they aim correctly. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. Okay. What do we got here? Oh, well, this another... is Trevor. Yeah, well, Trevor, Trevor started off with a, a minimal cloudbuster like mine with three pipes, but he, he went on to bigger things, as you can see. And um, this is his Willy, Willy Wand one. Wow. And, um, yeah, you know, he'd go into the desert and um, he'd film from the desert or he'd film you know, from his, I think from near his house he'd do. I think he, he went to Hollywood. He did some... He had a place in Hollywood. I'm, I think he filmed from there. Um, this is my ultraviolet stuff. Um, so about I filmed non-stop for a couple of years um, infrared, and I did capture some good stuff, but I wasn't getting it as near as I'd like it. You know, and once you start trying to enlarge it, you lose it, and you know it's it's not the same. So I bought myself a, a 330 nanometer X Night 330 filter and put it onto my full spectrum um, converted Sony camcorder. Um, now, when it's converted, what they do, I don't know, I'll explain to the viewers. Um, the camcorders have got a blocking filter which blocks invisible light. So what they do, they remove that and replace it with clear quartz. So you get the whole spectrum. You get the infrared, the ultraviolet, and the visible. And then you use um, filters to block out what you want. So, for instance, I use a, this ultraviolet filter, and that blocks out the infrared and, uh, and the visible. So you get an almost pure um, ultraviolet picture. But um, there is a bit of a, what they call an infrared bump that occurs in the ultraviolet as well it's around 700 nanometers so it's not a pure one you can get a filter to take that away and make it pure but this is almost pure ultraviolet um, and this is when i began to, i wasn't sure how to film and by accident i left the camera facing the top of a, of a building and um I, my first image i caught was like a jellyfish with tentacles on it and i forgot to put that one on actually it's in my book the quest for the invisibles lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well there you have it you can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com play for free right now are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details but um, it kind of does look like a jellyfish that first one yeah yeah, well, this, well, I had one actual like looked like a jellyfish moving with tentacles at the front. It looked like an actual ocean going jellyfish. Wow. Um, 
And I thought, oh my God, oh my God, that's how you film. You know, you block the sun out and you film into the sun, but don't let the sun come in too much. That's a bit high for my liking above the wall, but I generally keep the sunlight lower and um, things move into that zone and suddenly light up just for a split second. This only appeared in two frames. So th this was like, in fact, my second capture. And it shows clearly this object moving into the um, illumination zone and then being suddenly lit up and forming into this. And then the next frame it's gone. So I then started, um, I do think I did three years filming continuously um, every day I could. What can we do to fight back against big pharma and the compromised medical industry? We can become healthy and break free from the perpetual cycle of being poisoned by criminal organizations like most pharmaceutical companies. Come check out what may be the most powerful antioxidant known to man, C60 Purple Power. The benefits of C60 have been personally outstanding. I use it every day and I feel incredible. I have tons of energy, I sleep great, and I haven't even come down with a cold since I started using C60 over two years ago. You can even get C60 for your pets. Do your own research, click the link in the description, and check out their website. If you order from that link or use coupon code KNOWLEDGE10, you get 10% off your order plus free shipping. What is your health worth to you? Now, is this, this is, this is one of those amoeba-like entities or is this a plasma well, form? I don't, well, I don't know ultimately. I don't know. I mean, I believe these things are alive. I believe they, you know, they, they feature in the infrared because they're made of heat. So they're obviously, you know, existing in a heat-based um, substance, um, having their form expressed in heat, you know, and fourth state of matter. So I don't know. I mean, I, there's so many different sorts. Yeah, and I began catching these fish-like things. Um, I mean, people talk about sky fish and rods and things and that, but a lot of these look a bit more, you know, fish-like. And you can actually see the angle of the sun reflecting on this one. Um, and I found a lot of these things that I capture in the ultraviolet, they seem to be on some west to east flow. Right, and I remembered I read about that in one of Trevor's books, and Dr. Reich, you know, he, um, he talked about the, this flow, this organic flow, part of the organic, what do you, what do you call it, the envelope oh, of the earth. That does look like a fish, that's crazy. Yeah, I know, I've got some even more full-on ones. But yeah, um, so that's the first of the fish-like ones. Um, this is an example of um, how these things look. They don't make any sense, many of them, you know, aerodynamically or kind of <laughs> look-wise. Wow. Um, but some of these can change the form. But this thing came by, it appeared in two frames. I think in one frame, you could just see the bit of the propeller thing. But it just shows you how diverse some of these objects are. And they seem to be alive. A lot of them, they seem to just change the form. You know, they, they can appear as many things. But these seem to be on a lot, on a, about 90%, I'd say, of what I capture. It seems to be on this really fast-flowing, invisible flow, which goes um, from west to east. Exactly how Dr. Reich described it. I mean, I don't presume it is that aesthetic flow they're riding on. Now, this is a weird one. This is yeah, wow. yeah. This is um, this is one of the stranger ones. Um, this is going from left to right. I've put obviously I've put the arrow there. But that again, looks half it's, organic and then half yeah, uh, nuts and bolts. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can sort of understand the right hand side. What you know, shooting the other way, but it's going. You know, it's going left to right with the rods first. And I actually did. I managed to extract another still from this using different software, and it shows the same entity, but. Some of the rods are in a slightly different place. You can see more of them rather, but it's a continuation. But it's taking, you know, it's the color slight. I couldn't get the color of the background looking the same because it was from a different, taken off using different software. But 
Um, this is a strange one. Yeah, yeah. It always reminds me of the moon, this first bit. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> it's got like the rods uh, coming out, you know. Um, yeah. Again, that's, yeah. And this is an example. These are two very similar ones that were captured sort of a year apart um, using the full spectrum Sony Handycam. Uh, and the ultraviolet um, pass filter. Um, here you can see I'm using the, it's, it is the same edge of roof actually, roughly the same edge of rooftop that I'm using to block the sun. Um, and these yeah, things come It looks like the same entity. You see, they're, they're quite, they're a bit different actually. One of them, the one on the right's got the fins at the back look slightly different. It's, yeah. They're quite a year apart. They are similar. Yeah, yeah. There's subtle differences. Um, but these, I think these only appeared on one frame of the 25 frames per second. And they found in full sunlight. So you're not getting a stretch from it being a long exposure. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, so um, I put these on here. So these are some of the cards I use for my talk from, a, you know, when I do my talks and things. So yeah. um, I thought it's a good way to present them. These uh, are amazing. Oh, here's, here's a fish one for you. Yeah, this is. <laughs> oh, wow. That's so strange. I've never seen any, you know, shapes or life forms like this before. It's, of course, yeah. I mean, you know, the sim, the most similar is like you said, way at the, you know, depths of the ocean, you may see something looking strange yeah, yeah. like this. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is um, I've captured a few similar ones to this, but I never saw them this way around in the detail. Um, but this is, this is kind of a one-off one, but, um, you know, <laughs> and this is actual, yeah, this is a moving by form that I captured in four frames and it's going from left to right and it's like, it spins. I found a lot of these things, um, they spin when they move. They spin round and round and round. So I captured a whole range of different life forms. Um, and this is, this is four, well, so these are four frames taken from it. And the bottom one E is a similar bioform that I captured um, a bit later on 2013. Yeah, a lot later, a bit later, about five minutes later. Um, very similar to this. But this one game, you know, I've caught these things before, but not, not as clear as that. And this one is an example of, um, I set the white balance to actually green grass. And that gave me like a, a purple color and milky one, whereas the rest of them are, are kind of more orangey and red. But this is, this gave me not so much detail, but it's, it's very milky and violet. Um, so yeah. I don't film like that that often. But again, you can see it's the same bit of roof it's going over. You can see the cobwebs and but it's, you know, it's a spinning entity. And the live footage of this can be seen on my YouTube channel. There's a Quest Invisible's YouTube channel. Uh, what's the YouTube channel again? It's just QFTI. Um, okay. Quest for the Invisibles, obviously. But yeah. Um, oh, here's, here's another one. This is, yeah, I, I got myself uh, another full spectrum Sony Handycam, which filmed at 50 frames a second because the other one was 25. Um, and this was one of my early experiments um, using this particular camcorder. And this is some kind of worm like thing that seems to be up there. Um, only appeared in one frame. And Kind of almost got like a chrysalis type body to it <laughs> but i mean people have filmed a lot of these things before you know worm-like entities and things but it's um if, if you look at the you know the, the bit on the right you can, you can actually see almost like a chrysalis like um feel to it uh, right it would be amazing if you could have a way to just see through this spectrum at all times and see what's what's all around us i think you'd probably be ducking and diving all the time you'd be talking yeah around. Yeah, yeah, look at this. Yeah, this is part of a, a procession. I managed to capture this creature spins. This is a spinning fish. Um, the photo, photograph after this shows a whole load of frames of it. But this is the most fish like one of the frames. But this was taken on my new camcorder um, using a, the edge. I think the next one to it shows the whole. Here you go. Oh, wow. It's going from right to left and it's actually spinning through itself. And it's having, it looks like a burst of energy on um, the second one on the left. It's almost like it. It loses its form or you know, changes in a big flurry of activity. Um, yeah, that's not an aeroplane underneath it. It's actually a bit of spider's web that's blowing from nearby and it's 
blowing in the winds. It's not an airplane oh. or anything. Um, Those are it, absolutely yeah. amazing. Now, I, I'm wondering if with, with these, um, you know, you have captured such evidence. I'm wondering if there are government factions or, you know, secret uh, agencies that happen to know that these exist and, and actually study these um, because, you know, it's fairly easy. It seems that you would be able to capture these on, on, on a photograph. And if that's the case, it seems like some agency or some, you know, shadowy government faction may already know about these and uh, have for a while. What do you think about that? Um, I imagine so. It doesn't surprise me. I imagine they've got their fingers into everything. You know, um, I mean, obviously, Trevor's work's been out there since 1958. And I know he did try to show some of his to the military, but they didn't seem to be that interested at the time. But oh, you can bet your life that, you know, there's groups, I imagine, that are looking into all this stuff, um, maybe getting an idea from looking at the people's footage. But there are a lot of people just going out there filming these, a lot of these things in the, or things like this, in the visible spectrum. Um, sort of anomalies, you know, anomaly groups. They're filming things quite high in the sky. A lot of them look like balloon, like some of them. They change form, and there's really good footage coming from all around the world, around the world um, in the UK and Australia. There's a lot of people doing this. There's been a lot of worm-like um, creatures filmed, especially I think in South America. Some really great footage of them. So I think you know, it's I think it's becoming more and more known. But I imagine the government are interested in this type of thing, but they, they probably just sit back and watch watch YouTube or something, or watch my videos or something. But yeah, no, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, I've had a few problems in the past, as I've talked about on other things. I've been, um, I had a few cars watching me and a few weird things happening, and my my equipment was seized on the way on the way into America to to be turned into full spectrum. Um, it was seized, and then I immediately had cars following me, and a lot of strange things happened. Um, Oh really? Yeah. Could you uh, yeah, yeah, really, yeah. tell us a little bit more details about that? Um, how you know your your stuff was seized? Yeah. Okay, so I sent a... I sent a camcorder out to get it made. My first camcorder I sent out to America, no problem. Um, to get it made full spectrum. Um, this next one, quite an expensive camcorder actually, it cost me probably about eight hundred quid, and it was going to cost you know nearly a thousand pounds to get it adapted and this and that. I think well fifteen hundred pound I think with all the filters anyway. Um, quite expensive one, I sent it as normal, and all of a sudden um, I was tracking its progress and it came off in Kennedy Airport and said ready to go be dispatched. And then about a week later or so, I rang the company and said, oh, how's was my thing doing, you know? He said, oh, we haven't had it yet. I thought, hey, so I went back on there and it said it had been taken off um, for inspection, you know, and um, I kept trying to ring up. Eventually I got through someone, they saw it's being looked at and stuff. And I, <laughs> um, you know, got asked a few questions and then, I went up the shop, funnily enough, um, and as I got up the shop, I saw this car with a man and a woman in it with their backs to me. And I saw the guy on the left drop a walkie talkie. And as I walked by, he turned to the woman, he says, oh, that's the male. And I pointed to me, um, it really freaked me out. I thought, oh no, shit. And I knew they were talking about me. And then they kept following me and my sister and stuff. And my sister went into the dentist one day and they suddenly got on the bus, like mysteriously appeared. It's about the first or second stop out of ambulance the first stop. And, sort of stood there like you know showed up and just stood there looking at me and really freaking me out and stuff so um that went on for a bit um yeah it was a bit strange um now have you like, it's a buster thing it's the thing they don't like you mucking around with etheric energy i think <laughs> probably yeah. so now uh, you know besides from the first experience you, you talked about where you got a glimpse of, of one of these have you ever had any other strange experiences paranormal ufo or, or anything like that 
yeah, I'd love to hear about uh, some. Yeah, of well, back, yeah, going back to back. Well, basically, I've always had a healthy respect for the paranormal. I've, you know, I've never, never got into the occult or anything. I've read a few books here and there, but never got into. Always a healthy respect for it. And then one day, well, what happened was, I'll tell you this story because it's quite a key story. I'd been out there for years, kind of asking in my mind, looking up the sky, asking, "Is there any, any invisible beings or anything there who wants to be in my book or show themselves a photograph so we appear?" And I've been doing that for a long, long time. Which later people saying, you know. People use that technique and I was doing it without even knowing, you know, I was just doing it in my own head, you know, asking, oh, are you there? You know, imagine it. And what happened was one day my sister um, says, will you look after the dogs one day? I'm going out. The dog's sitting on the grass and we share a bit of a driveway. And what happens was I was looked out the window and the dogs were just laying there on the ground and there's, there's like a white orb and it was going up and down their bodies and they were frozen, right? And um, really freaked me out. And um, I went out and they wouldn't, I picked them up and they were almost like frozen. I put them back in the house, sister went out left them in the house, thought nothing of it, went back upstairs. And then my sister says, oh, I'm going out. Oh, I want to be back like for another night. This is around New Year's Eve. Um, so basically I went into my sister's house, sat down in the front room and all of a sudden the dogs kept looking at me, right? And barking and I was like, shut up, you know? And I kept turning the baskets around and saying, watch telly. And slowly they'd be looking around the room like that. And I've got a massive uneasy feeling. I saw an orb come through the kitchen wall and travel through another wall and come by me. And then all of a sudden I got this massive feeling of dread and one of the dogs just backed into the corner and started snarling and looking at something. And the other dog just put his, his hands over his face. And uh, that terrible, really, really freaked me out. And that was the first time I'd experienced anything paranormal. Um, and I was thinking, oh, perhaps it's because I've asked things to come into my reality. And then, um, it, you know, it wasn't long after, I think when my cat died, it all really kicked off. Um, I was going out every night, you know, with my camera, taking photos, taking photos, capturing entities in the greenhouse. And then I was like, um, things were moving and weird things were happening on the computer and um, I was hearing people calling me and the doorbell would ring at three in the morning. We got a joint doorbell just so for deliveries, me and my sister, because we live next door, um, but on the same land. And basically, you know, you've got to, you can't get into our, our place. You've got like a big gate you've got to go through. It's, you know, it's not like someone's walking around, but every morning at three o'clock, the doorbell would ring three times and my sister would hear someone like knocking downstairs in the kitchen and the dogs would start barking and, you know, and that's how the paranormal side came, really, just from filming Roy and from all this stuff that was happening to me. I never intended to even film paranormal stuff. I was into UFOs and I was into the work of Constable, but it almost just happened. And it nearly drove me insane, to be quite honest with you. Um, I ended up having to get rid of a mirror because I thought I saw an entity in it. The dogs were barking at it and um, ended up, you know, painting it black and burying it. And it really freaked me out at the time because I, you know, myself purposely kept away from any occult type things. And... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, I was getting weird dreams and, um, you know, a whole list of things was happening. And it was very unsettling, really. Do you think that the entities that were that you were experiencing were uh, spirits of humans or possibly something else, some different types of entities, um, you know, it's from your personal? Because, um, if you look at the picture of my cat, the one I took with my cat, it was like a snake-like entity coming out. I was saying, like, you know, Roy, Roy, can you give me a sign um, that, that you're still around? And his whole grave site lit up, and he'd been dead by that time, about five days or so. And there's not, you know, there's no candles there or nothing. It's taken in pitch darkness. And the photo before is pitch dark. You can't see anything. Honestly, no light source in that photo. 
15 second exposure and all that stuff is going on. It's like a head's coming, a head shape's coming down from the sky and then something's coming up from his grave and turning into a snake. And then there's almost like a half tree, half human-like entity, which you can't see that clear on that version of it, but it's coming out of the ground, like out from like a circular portal. And that was all happening within 15 seconds. And um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I was thinking, oh, is that my cat? Is that something? But I don't know, because I was in a bit of a state emotionally, you know, I don't mind admitting it. You know, I, I love that cat to bits. You know, I took him in for a wild cat, um, saved his life a couple of times because he got ill and adored him, you know, and then um, he just died. He got so thin, got cancer, had to get him put down. Absolutely killed me. So I just kept going out there for evidence, really. And I feel like um, probably the mental state I was in may have attract, attracted negative beings who perhaps feeding on that energy. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Suspect, you know. Now, um, you said you've know. also... Yeah. I, I don't know. See, I don't... I haven't talked to many many people about it, really, but I'd like to think it was my cat, that snake-like object. But I, I mean, I took a whole series of other photos as well um, that I didn't show tonight. One of them was like a little orb of a man, and this was taken with no light, and he was like screaming at me, like as if to say, shut up, and little face on him, and that's like, oh, shit. You know? Wow. Um, and a few other little sort of things as well. Yeah, there's a few few things, um, just odd, odd things. That and you happened. said you, you've also captured portals opening? Yeah, I captured some kind of portal opening in the sky and it was um, it was like a bluey colour that it went green and it went pink and you saw all the colours of the rainbow, yet this is taken in like infrared and the filter actually blocks out everything up to the red at the end of the visible light spectrum, which occurs just before the, um, well, it's a barely visible red that appears just before the, the, um, the infrared. So all your blues and everything down the other end uh, shouldn't even be showing. Um, you know, and those entities, they were blue, which is good. It's like, like the, the organ, the colour of organ. Um, it, it, um, I think Dr. Wright found that uh, it illuminated blue in a vacuum. And now, perhaps it's blue when it's excited. Now, you being a photographer, I'd love to ask you about orbs. Because, you know, I, I have a, a lot of paranormal investigators on and people mm. who talk about mm. that, you know, they take pictures of orbs. And I don't know. I don't know if this is just a dust or just some kind of camera right. artifact. What, yeah. you know, yeah. what are your thoughts on orbs? Well, I've, I've experimented a lot. I've got some um, CCTV footage of, um, of, of, of orbs moving in the infrared, actually moving and stopping. And one of them stops in front of me and comes up really slow. And that is a proper orb that's trying to change shape. But I've also noticed that when I take photographs with a flash in the rain, you get loads of orb-like things. And I was convinced really for a long time that they were specks of, um, I think a lot of them were specks of moisture. Um, but the thing is, I've seen some of them have got like an effect inside them. I mean, I've actually seen phases on some of them. And I've photographed orbs in the darkness, right, with no flash, pitch dark, like this example I said with this guy with the face on it. Um, and they were, so I, I convinced that, you know, these entities, you know, it's probably the best way, well, I mean, it is the best way to travel in, in, in an orb, in a, in a, you know, spherical shape. So I imagine energy travels, I imagine dead humans travel around in this reality, and I imagine it's, it's, a, it's a good way for energy to travel around. But I think some, you know, some of these orbs, I think, you're only catching them because they're being lit up by the, by the flash. You take photographs without a flash, you won't really see orbs unless they're self-illumined. And they can be very interesting, the ones that seem self-illumined. You even capture them, obviously, with a flash, but some look different. But I think a lot of things make orbs. Um, and it wasn't until I caught this footage of these white orbs actually coming up and responding to me. And that's on my website, actually. It's on, my, um, on the YouTube channel, actually. There's um, some, I think it's, it's a bit of footage showing an orb, and it comes up really, really slowly. And it just it's just right in front of me, looking at me. It comes to sort of head height. And uh, I think I'll show the frame separately. So that there is some reality to the orb thing. 
Um, but I think there's so many other things that can look like orbs, even reflections from the camera lens sometimes when it catches light, you can get orb-like things. You've got to be very, very careful. This is why I photograph in the black, in the dark. Um, and this is why I photograph really most of the time using a, a Geiger counter, because I'm only taking photographs on instrumental detection. Um, I mean, the GRCU, there's 25 members, this Italian group, which was led by um, Luciano Bacconi. They photographed some fantastic, some fantastic things. And um, they had a book, um, UFO Lariata Nascosta, which is very, very rare. And it was written in Italian only. only. I managed to get a, a copy. Um, I think it's only about a thousand or so made, but they got some fantastic um, pictures in there. But they all had different things. Some of them had like temperature indicators, some had like Geiger counters, others were using um, infrared detectors, ultraviolet detectors. They were using a whole range of different things and a whole lot of them would shoot in the direction to where they were getting the hits. And these things would register on, on multiple instruments. Um, but I can't get bogged down because I'm doing this myself. Um, you can't get bogged down with too much technology because if you're having to think, you've got to have a clear mind and you, you've got to, you know, you've got to have that intent there. And you, if you're having to keep mucking around with things, I find a guy counter in one hand pointing like that when I'm walking a dog or just standing there and the camera either around my neck or on there in complete silence or something, I can focus. But if I'm having to reach for something else and it's just going to take you, you know, your, your focus away, really. So that's the problem. Well, while we're talking about this, maybe you could give uh, people who are interested in doing their own pictures and filming uh, to try and capture some of these. What are what are some tips or techniques that you could let them know if they, they want to try and capture these themselves? Um, <clears throat> buy the book. <laughs> no. um, <laughs> Good tip. No, yeah. no there, is, there is some tips in there, but um, my website contains a lot of tips on there. There's um, quite, if you, if you have a good look at the website that I've done, um, it took me a while to do that. I mean, it's not like I'm some... Yeah, I'll have you know, the link to that in the description, actually, if anyone wants to yeah. go and check that out. There's um, the sections in there. There's actually sections on infrared um, UFO photography, ultraviolet UFO photography. It explains the spectrum. It explains this, that, and everything else. And um, there's several sections on that of various evidences, like entity photographs. There's, you know, the pictures that you've seen tonight, a lot of them are on that. Um, I think the blue ones aren't on it yet. They're, they're in the paper. I also wrote the, the paper. It's, the paper's worth looking at, the two-part the two paper, which I co-wrote with Leon Southgate. Um, it was in defense of Trevor James Constable after somebody claimed that his photos were nothing more than um, you know, marks on the emulsion, um, you know, without giving it a real argument. So um, I decided to get together and write a paper. We, this was a tiny little article this guy wrote, and we responded with a 17,000 uh, word uh, two-part paper and got permission to use Constable's best of phot photographs of Constable's and the GRCU. So... Um, it's in two parts. In the first part is um, Constable's work and the GRCU and a really nice picture by a Romanian guy called um, Florin Georgisa. And part two is the UK evidence. And it fits certain criteria which are stated upon, you know, the paper. But it's actually published online at uh, the Journal of um, Psychiatric Organ Therapy, JPOT. Um, I think I don't know if I sent I'm not sure if I sent you the link for that or not, but... Um, yeah, I think you did. Positive, yeah, positive. It's called, if you just Google, it's called Positive Findings on Constable's Organotic Bioforms. Yeah, yeah you did. I'll, I'll put that in there too. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that, that's got probably the best footage. Because a lot of this footage by the GRCU, it's in this book that is barely, I think about a thousand of them are so made. And it's very, very rare. I paid £350 for this um, back in 2011. It's an A4 book and very, very, very rare. And people don't get to see this. So I thought, well, you know, it'd be nice to stick up for Constable as he's not here anymore. Um, and I think most of the, all the GRCU are dead as well. I thought it'd be a good idea to put that together. And it, it covers 60 years of, um, of evidence, starting in 1957 with Trevor Jones Constable, going through the mid-70s, early 80s with the GRCU, and then continuing with my work from 2010 until present day. So you're talking 60 years of, 
of, um, you know, of footage and photographs showing that this stuff is real. So the, the best pictures, if you really want to get into this subject of biological UFOs, best thing is to do is to really, you know, either look at the book that I've written or, or look at this, um, this two page or two part even um, paper, um, positive finding on, on constables organotic bioforms. Um, there's some really great photos in there. Um, the GRC captured loads of great things and you know, they're hardly heard of by anybody. I'd never heard of them. I mean, I hadn't even heard of Constable until yeah. a friend told me about him and I bought plenty of UFO books. Um, so I was as surprised as anyone when, you know, when I found out there were these living entities and that's what I saw that night. It just, that's why it blew me away so much because I was probably conditioned to thinking that these things were extraterrestrial craft and that's all they could ever be. Right. Yeah, it, it gives a whole new way of looking at some of the things that we're seeing in the sky. And Nick, I want to thank you again for coming on tonight. That was fascinating pictures, fascinating information. Um, everyone should go check out the website. I'm going to leave that in the description. Before you go, I want to get your thoughts on um, the past three, four years. We've had you know an uptick in talk about UFO phenomenon in the mainstream media. We have the, the Tic Tac video the Oumuamua <laughs> space probe coming through that A.V. Loeb says, yeah, it's an alien space probe. And, you know, Trump signing the uh, release of documents into the COVID bill, all this weird UFO stuff that has just hit the mainstream and seems to be this strange agenda that's trying to be pushed upon us. What do you think is going on? Do you think it's some sort of preparation or misinformation? Um, any thoughts on it? Well, firstly, I find that the TikTok footage quite funny because, you know, I've been filming this kind of stuff for years, so it's Trevor James Constable. And, uh, you know, I sat there thinking, you know, big revelation. And I looked at it, I thought, gosh, you know, look at some of my stuff. You know, I'm not being baguetted, but, you know, the stuff up there, look at Trevor's stuff. That's nothing big, you know, and I certainly don't think it's an alien spacecraft. I think, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you something about these entities. I mean, I, I've got it down that now I, there are craft like entities, but many of them that I've seen are actual. Well, they're craft-like objects, but they are actual entities, and they can look like craft. They can split into two as lights. They can come back together. They can grow. I, I filmed there's an example, a really good example actually, on my um, YouTube channel. It's called Strange Visible Craft, and it's this strange craft that I saw vis visibly in the air. And when I zoomed in, it was like a giant egg, and it had radar dishes on it, and you actually see it because I zoomed right in with this really good camcorder. And um, I filmed similar things like this before. I've seen, well, I've seen them, not actually filmed them because of the tall trees, but I've seen these, these dishes disappear and then just look like a little egg again. And then they just go into like light. So they seem to be cut beings and they're not ships. So I think a lot of things that people are seeing when they look up into the skies are probably plasmatic beings or, or the, these sky beings or sky creatures. But I believe there are craft out there, but I don't see why craft would be flying around, you know, over neighborhoods, just flashing the lights on and off just, you know, to say hello. But I'm not sure it could be just for information. I mean, you know, I've, I started off looking into the Stephen Greer thing and this, that and the other, but they didn't seem to ever come out with much evidence. You know, and, and Question Invisible started in 2010. I, you know, this thing's been running alongside and I've captured so much evidence just in the infrared. And I'm just a guy with a camcorder and a camera and the will to do it. And there's thousands of other people capturing stuff, but you know, they don't have websites and they don't pursue it perhaps as much as me and don't push it. But you know, I'm, I'm not the only person out there doing this and lots of people are getting evidence, but. It does make me wonder whether they're pushing it towards making everyone think that it is a craft. These are right. crafts. Yeah, I've wondered that too. So I didn't yeah. make me very popular. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, because uh, you know, I, I look at I look at the um, 
the extra dimensional or the the side of the super spectrum that we can't see often as you know a possible um, answer to what we could be seeing in the sky and all around us it seems to be in some way connected to paranormal phenomenon yes, uh, you yes, know yeah. so all these Must things be being so. connected you have to look at every angle and you can't just look at the nuts and bolts you know i became convinced quite a while ago that um the paranormal and ufo thing are connected in some way I believe that a lot of these entities and maybe some of the craft that come in are interdimensional. They're coming from different realities, not necessarily, you know, different physical um, places. But then you put into that all the ancient god things coming down and the evidence that shows that, you know, it looks like that these, you know, these gods were, gods were beings that came down, were, well, not so much space travelers traveling through and going, oh, let's go to Earth, but part of a much, you know, some kind of a thing. And that goes again in with the fallen angel thing in the Christian philosophy, where these beings came down and taught, you know, women uh, you know beautification men armory and gave them knowledge of the planets it, it all falls in it looks like that that's so i'm not disputing that happened and i'm very into that kind of thing and the fact that strange creatures are being seen more and more like dogmen and other things like that you know that's something i'm very interested in and it just i don't know it's um, it all seems very sort of intertwined as far as i can see um, yes, definitely. I, I would agree. Um, I think it is all intertwined. I think it's all connected in some way. And uh, yeah. again, those those pictures you, you shared were fascinating. Um, I can't wait for everybody to see those. And your website again is questfortheinvisibles.co.uk? Yeah, .co.uk. Okay, yep. And I will have a link to that in the description as well. And Nick, thank you so much again for coming on tonight. That was awesome information. I'd love to have you back on in the future. We could talk about so much more. Yeah, sure, Chris. Yeah, no, it'd be a pleasure. Yeah. All right. Great. Well, until next time, everyone else, have an excellent evening. We'll see you soon. Right now is the most critical time for us to take back control of our food supply and become self-reliant by having our very own food forest. Transform your yard into a food forest and create a system of self-reliance that's easy and enjoyable with our friends at Food Forest Abundance. No matter where you're starting from, you can become more self-reliant. You can take your self-reliance to the next level by becoming a producer of your own food through growing and foraging. Learn how to turn your property into an income-producing source of economic self-reliance. If you're ready to go off-grid, click the link in the description and use coupon code FORBIDDEN for discounts on your very own food forest with Food Forest Abundance.